So uh, our, our next speaker is Ibram Ayu. Um, I hope I've got that pronunciation uh, correct. Um, who will join us in a moment? Uh, hello, everyone. Um, I'm Ibrahim. Nice to, nice to meet, virtually meet you all. Uh, today we'll be talking about uh, leading with empathy. Uh, you know, how can we learn more by by speaking less, and the role that that language uh, and the words that we say can uh, can impact design, leadership, design decisions, and uh, and ultimately the products and, and services that that we create. Give a quick quick background on me. I'm so I'm I'm Ibrahim. Uh, location just anywhere that is close to an outlet. Um, which is right now I'm, I'm in Boston, currently launching a, a startup in the creator economy space and previously spent six years at PwC uh, working on UX research strategy and, and generally interested in the intersection of product strategy, technology, and, and the implications that it has on, on people and their experience. So a lot of the work I've, I've done is kind of bridging those gaps between you know computer science technology the things that we're creating um from con consulting management strategy on on what we are trying to do from a, a company perspective and then tying in you know, cultural ethnography and uh and some of those layers and to try to provide a holistic um, understanding so today to kind of to set the stage a bit i'm going to kind of ground us in and kind of where we are right now. So, you know, today having basically seamless connections personally, professionally, uh, you know, the fact that I'm speaking to you all here from, from a, a room in Boston, uh, to people in Australia and all over the world, never had, it's never been easier to engage, uh, other people and have people engage with our products and, and the services. But at the same time, this kind of increasing fragmented understanding where, we are a lot of times listening to to respond versus listening to to understand and especially for people in the room as design leaders that the responsibility that goes across you know creating product services that that do connect people or does have implications on people's day-to-day uh, -day experiences uh critically important that we are kind of driving those types of design decisions with uh with empathy so that's why I kind of want to ground ground the the talk around this this kind of central challenge for today, around you know, how might we cultivate this empathetic design leadership to to really create these these meaningful products um, and understanding recognizing that whether intentionally or unintentionally all of the design decisions that we that we create end up having these downstream and, and potentially long, very long lasting implications on. Both the people that we're trying to serve, but also their ecosystem and, and the people around them. So this is this will be kind of the the core focus. And with with any kind of you know design challenge or central question, I always also like to to first start with you know to to approach this type of question. What are the constraints that we're that we need to also consider as we try to go about solving um, or addressing this type of type of situation? And and so with that, there's really Kind of these three key areas I like to think about. So one, um, human biases, right? The fact that we as humans are, are just hardwired to make shortcuts in terms of the decisions that we make and how we perceive the world around us, uh, just by nature. Existing technology. So also, you know, recognizing that we, the decisions and the work that we want to do 
can't be relying on some new technology that may be there in the future, but what are the things that we can really be doing now with the technology that we have um, to be more empathetic in terms of, of how we lead? Uh, and then third, uh, social dynamics, which also recognizing that there are certain uh, I- idealistic points around empathy, around you know us wanting to all be uh, connected and have this shared kind of views of the world, but recognizing that there are certain social dynamics that are just inherently ingrained, uh, at least to this point in society, that we we should recognize and 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 think about as we as we make design decisions. But so these are kind of the you know, the three let's say constraints or, or guardrails in terms of as we think about this uh, empathetic design leadership. But uh, but that's it, right? So everything else is is basically up for grabs. And that's what I like to think about this kind of empathy playground, right? That we let's recognize the current situation and, you know, the stage that we're kind of designing in. But outside of that, there's, you know, there's really a lot of room to play, a lot of room to create. And and so with that kind of view of, okay, you know, we We'll think about this, you know, the fact that there are these biases, there are certain things around how people relate or don't relate today. Uh, and then we have basically the, the technology that, that we have. Um, then what are, what are kind of the mindsets that we want to kind of go into it thinking about this, um, empathetic de- design leadership and, and really four kind of guiding principles or, or core, uh, kind of ways of thinking, uh, around this. So, so first around curiosity and around thinking about the, the why, the how, uh, across basically everything that, that we're doing, not just from, from ourselves, but why are certain systems that we have in place for the way that we're working with other people or that the way that we are, kind of, uh, driving new products, um, kind of going through always with that magnifying glass and thinking about, you know, why might be and, and what if. Uh, and then second round holistic, but that we want kind of a full picture and this will kind of go around this point that we'll talk about in a bit around, you know, separating or abstracting out the, the user from the, the actual person, you know, the people that we're, that we're trying to serve. Uh, and third being collaborative and so thinking about who are, who are the people in the room and, you know, just thinking about language as well. The more, the more that we speak, it's basically less opportunity for us to learn from others and learn from their perspectives, which you know we, we've heard in the last session as well. Um, and then fourth of around being iterative, right? That this is con- continuous, ongoing process that we should be thinking about the decisions and, and what we're doing, not as uh, ever a final state, but something that we can continue to kind of learn from uh, over time. So let's get into you know, so this is we kind of have the the constraints, you know, of, of where we are today, the the mindset that we want to go into it, and then now what what should we actually be be doing? So this kind of laid out three three kind of key steps for for the empathetic design leadership. And first, constructing their mental model, the people, and there being again the people that were the serving that we're interacting with. Um, you know, employees, colleagues, everyone within within that sphere. Then uh, second, investigating with minimal bias, uh, you know, recognizing that we we can never investigate with zero bias. It's just it, it is inherent in how we are thinking. But addressing it, uh, recognizing it can can help us uh, mitigate the the influence it has. 
And then third, kind of reorienting across systems, both from, you know, taking a systems view of, of our users to, you know, the actual people, as well as, uh, the system of our product to kind of more broadly, um, what that, what the role of our product is across, you know, a bigger, broader, uh, environment. So the first, so constructing their mental model. So, you know, this is really anchoring on, on the person, on the people that we are trying to serve and, and separating this observation from evaluation. Right. There were a lot of times that we want to move quickly, really, you know, we hear some feedback, we learn something. So now we want to kind of act on it, but we need to kind of make sure we always take a step back to think of what is in, what is the actual mental model or the structure and way this person is kind of perceiving the world you know, that it doesn't, uh, this is where kind of a lot of that ethnographic kind of thinking comes into play that it's, we don't want to understand the, the person's perspective from our own vision or, or model, but really starting from a blank canvas to say, you know, how is this person basically, how is their world kind of shaped? And, and when we think about the kind of this, this mental model and, and the role language plays into it, it's, um, it's, you know, again, this, this mental structure is basically, you know, shaping the way that they see the world, the goals they seek, the choices that they make. And, and then from specifically from a language perspective, this is, here's one, one nice book, uh, Metaphors We Live By, which basically talks about, you know, this role of, of language and how it's so ingrained in the way that people are experiencing themselves, but, but kind of the world around them. And, and some that are kind of so ingrained in, in our heads that we don't really even really think about. But, you know, this idea that more is up, right? That we, we talk about, you know, income rising, um, can bigger is better that can good is up that this idea of this vertical increase is um is is always is is better is improving and which kind of speaks a lot of times to very abundance oriented cultures right where we want to kind of continue to expand and get more uh but that may not always be the case in terms of you know how different people are thinking about what is what is actually good for them and and the second of you know time is money where you know if you think about the the words that we talk about you know products or even our, our day-to-day lives of you know we using this product we will save you you know x number of hours or will help you budget your time better really goes to that idea that this time is a very valuable resource it's uh and also thinking about a very short term which again as we've seen that people have also very different interpretations of what is a priority when it comes to you know, how they think about time being spent for themselves um, versus versus longer term. So we need to think about what are the, the kind of the, the values and the priorities that people have of is it, you know, they are trying to quote unquote save time in order to do uh, in order to free up time for something else. Or it's for them they're not really thinking about it time as this kind of linear path like linear path, but something that they um want to be kind of immersed more in, in the present, uh, as well as, you know, the ideas around communities. You know, when we think about trying to create communities of our, of our users, customers, or, or even our companies, that even the idea of what does actual community look like or mean for people is, is going to drastically change the types of decisions that you make, um, 
to make sure that you reflect that as well. So these are the things of, you know, first let's think of what is that, what is initially the structure and the beliefs of these things before we start making kind of, uh, further decisions uh, down the road. And and again, that, you know, the, the language, the words does impact the, the person's experience. So, you know, another example around certain languages, the Shona language in Botswana and Zimbabwe, they don't have words to distinguish red and orange. And so they don't see, because they don't have words to define them differently, typically people there don't see differences in what is red or what is orange. So as we're even thinking about design decisions and branding, you know, there's a lot of implications uh, down the line, which which we'll talk about as well. So again, this, you know, this first idea of, you know, their mental model, figuring, making sure that we, we are looking through, through their eyes and kind of what they're seeing, uh, on the canvas on the surface versus from our side really helps to, to first ground on, um, on being able to, to lead more from that kind of empathetic perspective. Uh, and again, separating the evaluation from observation and what we're actually seeing. So having this kind of, um, you know, this, this kind of initial framing and thinking in mind, then we can, can go into the actual investigation of understanding what are, how, what are the things that we're trying to, to learn and uncover, um, more empathetically. So to that second point of, you know, investigating with, again, with not, with not zero bias, but, but try to minimize as, as much as we can. And, you know, some may be familiar with, you know, this, to general empathy mapping, but you know, the idea that we when we're trying to understand someone's not just what they're saying, um, but also, you know, the thoughts, what the actions are, the feelings behind it, to to kind of go to one of those, you know, central guiding principles of of being very holistic. And and for the purposes of the session, we'll really kind of deep dive a bit into into the says, the the actual words themselves. Because as we saw from you know initially that the uh, the mental model and the language that people use is going to be very different um, for different people, and what are ways that we can can reduce the the impact that the words and the, and the language has. And then there's three kind of um, three kind of tools or ways that I think we we can think about this. You know, recognizing that words you know inherently will be biased through our lens so if we can you know minimize how much that we're directing people with what we're saying um it can lead to new nuanced uh discovery and insights so so one around creating metaphors separately so you know for thinking for instance uh you know an e-commerce website uh that sells products online and you know, right now, in terms of thinking about user research or, you know, understanding customers, asking them direct questions about their experience, finding products, you know, to better figure out the navigation or the information architecture. But another way we can think about it is you know, framing it in, in metaphor, in separate metaphors, such as, you know, the product search selection is, is a genie granting wishes or, you know, is a vending machine, basically to, to then understand. So, okay. So if, if, from now the person is thinking about what are their kind of the aspirations and the goals, the things that they're trying to get out of the experience and then abstracts out from, you know, just thinking about if, you know, the button is, is on the left side or the right side. Um, but to get, get that more kind of broader picture of, of the person. Then, uh, second round visualization. So, you know, kind of removing the, the speaking entirely to understand the, um, 
to understand what the person is trying to convey. So, you know, one big area that, you know, a lot of people are, are thinking through now still continuously from, from COVID is, um, is internal, is teams, you know, remote teams, distributed teams and, and kind of corporate culture and, and how to best kind of set that up for a way that's, um, that works for, for everyone. So, you know, one example of an exercise that we, we've done with, uh, with clients in the past is, you know, imagining that the, the employees of, of your company is, are on a bus. Um, and then, and then what does that, what does it look like? Right. So then from there, you can see as people are kind of drawing and visualizing this, that, you know, we're not grading or trying to assess of, of people's drawing skills, even though, you know, they may still be in, in the design world. But then to see, but then to probe and understand, you know, how are they, how they're thinking about, uh, basically that, that, what that employee kind of situation looks like on the bus. So for instance, you know, our, who's driving it, right? Is it, is it one person that people are seeing as, you know, the, the CEO or C-suite or do people see everyone has kind of part of the hand on the wheel? Are people, are the employees sitting by departments? Does everyone have their own seat? Are people all clustered together? Um, where is the bus actually even going, right? And is there, is there navigation? Is there not navigation? So a lot of these things, then you can actually start uncovering how people are thinking about, you know, power dynamics, but then even more broadly around, um, you know, company direction as well. And, you know, who are the people that are really driving decisions? And then how are people thinking about who, how the company works kind of internally and with different um, with different employees together. So you can really, you know, start to uncover some, some new nuances um, and insights versus, you know, trying to ask people if they want, if they want to work from home or, or work um, uh, or work in the office or, you know, open, open office space or, or closed versus then seeing some of these things that can be uncovered from, from that visualization and then the probing. And, and the last around uh, survey design. So the, there's also kind of going to the idea around, you know, when we think about abundance culture and, and things where we're always thinking the more, more is better that especially when we have things like NPS scores that, you know, we're trying to understand how, how much people gravitate and enjoy the products and services that we're offering. Even thinking about, you know, things are, are where if we're, assessing or evaluating on zero to 10 versus uh negative five to plus five right? where the the numbers the the range is the same but then you know if we consider someone who who may rate on a zero to ten of four versus someone who's doing you know a uh, negative one there's a lot of different implications now that we can we can see where you know in the first type of situation on negative five to plus five there's a overall positive and negative connotation that goes to it as well versus you know things like of just pure scale um you may not really be able to to understand or or see you know how much of a difference someone's experience is uh on something like that so you know these different things that we kind of think about of you know what are ways that we can you know minimize that the use of of specific words or the framing of how how we're conducting user research, you know, internal company decisions um, and and kind of product design to to really be more empathetic, inclusive, and, and understanding of of what people really want. And then, and then lastly, this you know reorienting across across systems. So 
you know, here we've gotten to a point where we have people's mental models kind of in mind. We're investigating, understanding that mental model, um, using different techniques, uh, minimizing the, the influence of, of words in, in certain situations. But then now, how do we kind of bring that all bring that all together? And you know, the first of you know, understanding, reorienting across across the people, right? Not just just the user, and and this is where we want to go, you know, above and below the and kind of across across the iceberg of, you know, if we we can really if we can start and ground in that initial kind of mental model belief to get to a place where we understand the person, then also recognizing these things that are happening around them as well to to kind of get that holistic picture. Um, and if we think, you know, for me, for instance, as you know, now working in kind of social media. Um, the creator economy space that we've been seeing, you know, the implications that the uh, attention economy or things of of specifically around children, cyberbullying, how that can impact then also mothers or creators who are older, their experience of what they actually do want to be getting out of those products um, helps provide that that kind of full context to uh, to drive better uh, design decisions. And so once we, you know, have the person in mind, then we can get a better also sense of of the actual product. Um, you know, so we, a lot of times we think about, you know, our journey mapping, the understanding, the the touch points that, that people have with, with the products, but also getting that more of that holistic picture of recognizing one, you know, people are using other products more than our own. So how does this, kind of fit into that context uh, and in what environment are people actually using using the products and you know this doesn't go to that point of um, really understanding them their mental model but if people are typically you know sitting in their living room using your app versus on the move and you know traveling or commuting then how will that now impact the types of decisions you make in terms of the the size of of certain but buttons of, of text and and all these things so it's more grounded in that person's day-to-day -day kind of life and life and experience. So if we, you know, kind of bring it bring it all together in terms of some of the the key kind of implications, you know, around this for for design leadership. You know, so first around from a strategic perspective of you know first when we're thinking about our, our target customers or our target users, that you know it's not just the the persona of of how they're interacting with our product, but then the actual mental model, right? And the the beliefs and the value set of that system, where you might find that there are actually people who share a similar mental model could be a new potential kind of customer group that we hadn't been considering just because of that, you know, the, the behaviors that they're exhibiting or, you know, demographically, it, it seems different. But by starting at that kind of bottom level, which is the most, uh, has the most uh, impact on everything else down the line uh, can help with that initial grounding, uh, as well as can market entry and and expansion, as well where you know the that goes to the cultural element of the products that we're providing in in the U.S. For instance, what are the things that we're going to potentially have to change in in if we're going into you know other markets, Australia or or anywhere else. <clears throat> And we've seen, you know, there's certain examples of this, of, you know, one in, in the 1970s, uh, American Motors was trying to, had a, had a car, uh, Matador, which they, um, they tried to 
expand into Puerto Rico, but ended up finding that their the sales were extremely low. And after going through the whole process and actually launching, they they saw that Matador also means means killer. So then they, you know, of course, people didn't want to be driving killer cars, uh, killer in a, in a negative sense, and and those types of things, you know, can be addressed much earlier on. Uh, another example of a uh, golf golf ball manufacturer was had a had a set of four golf balls that they were chipping and they wanted to export it, expand it to Japan. But um, four in in Japanese, it's pronounced she, which is the same as death and considered bad luck. So you know, of course, then they were people didn't want to buy those um, uh, buy those golf balls because of those kind of cultural implications. So these are things of, you know, as we're thinking about the strategy, but then this goes into that execution element as well of, you know, who are the people in the room making the decisions of who are the people that we're trying to, to serve and, and how much are, how much is our perspective and our kind of voice driving the eventual decisions? I mean, you think of, you know, consider at the end of the day, if we're creating products, services to serve certain people, if those people aren't in the room, then how is their voice being conveyed through how many kind of different layers is it uh, and different kind of filters is it going through and so of every time there's uh indirect research or anything that by the time it kind of gets to your ears and then also it's going to be filtered through our own kind of perceptions if we're not aware of you know that separation of observation evaluation uh it ends up getting diluted so you know we want to to really try to get as close to to that voice as we can, and then again, you know, then all of this has a lot of implications for the actual design of you know colors where you know orange maybe emits hazards in in the U.S., but in Asia it has a connotation around positivity and spiritual uh, enlightenment and um, you know things like that where you know it does get then we can get very specific on how do we make sure that the actual experience is resonates the most with the with kind of the end customer there and you know this is all to say as well that this you know never never ends right? that this is there's no point that we can check the box on saying we are empathetic design leaders now and it, it's done but this you know it's like to say that people are are verbs not nouns so it's always dynamic that you know we are changing people are changing our products are changing so kind of continuing that ongoing uh iterative kind of thinking and thinking and approach and i'll give a quick um uh kind of what some of this in, in practice had looked like so actually for for the company that i'm i'm launching basically it's a, a business suite for for content creators to manage their sales projects and kind of their payments in one place. And so from some of the things that we found of that worked well and, and some lessons learned of one, this kind of even the idea of, of a creator business that when we were doing interviews that we actually, we removed business entirely uh, and focus more on the person's aspirations as, you know, why are they getting in the space and why are they kind of creating? Because, Maybe as we, as if we kind of prompted as, as a business management tool or, or questions, then it ended up changing the way that they were thinking about it. Since a lot of them are also not really going into it for the business side versus for the, the passion side. 
and, and trying to use as many kind of visual cues and things as possible as well for them to kind of visualize the font design. Like what does the actual, what does this kind of their journey look like? Cause knowing this is something that they're continuously to growing and, and, and evolving as well. Um, some of the, the lessons learned. So, you know, one thing we have found of the time commitments of, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the creators are, you know, doing this part time, have, have just had a child or have, have a family as well or have another job. And that the nature in which that they were engaging with our initial product was, you know, heavily dependent on the, the state of, of their family or the state of, you know, other, other circumstances where, you know, that, that was the point where we needed to kind of go back as well, looking across our product and across the person to see, you know, what are the other things that are happening in their lives and where are they both physically uh, when they're using the product, you know, like, are they at home? Are they sitting, de- sitting down and kind of the mindset that they're in, if it's something where they're trying to rush through to get to the other point or, you know, really focused on um, uh, doing their kind of project management and things like that. And another point around um, routines over results as well, that, you know, as we started designing some of the initial screens and, um, and some of the kind of the customers KPIs that a lot of it was around, you know, the number of, of brand deals and the, the amount of uh, money that they were, they were getting, but, you know, to the point of this is an on, was an ongoing journey for them. We started to shift it more around the actual routines, right? Of what are the routines that we're trying to help instill to re to help them facilitate that, that journey of, you know, them achieving their aspirations. So shifting things from, you know, not how many brand deals did you get, but how many people did you contact and, you know, trying to have that more of that consistency part, which, um, was something that we, you know, kind of learned as well once we, um, once we kind of saw, you know, their, their behaviors and, and that mindset. So to, so to wrap up, um, so a couple key takeaways with that, you know, outputs basically dependent on the, the nature of our inputs. And so if we're thinking under recognizing that we do have certain biases that we, um, and, that we want to really go with this idea of being as empathetic as, as possible to try to be as you know, curious, holistic, collaborative, uh, and iterative as, as we go and minimizing basically language and our perception, um, helps improve that idea around this empathetic leadership. And, and it's always constantly evolving. So it's, you know, something where we have to continue to, to work on, to iterate as we go through and to make sure that we, you know, one, construct, understand their mental model, understand, investigate fully with, while minimizing bias and, and you know, continuing to, to zoom in, zoom out, uh, across the actual people, across our product and, and to get that, uh, get that full picture. So that's, uh, that's a wrap. Um, thank you so much for, for the time and, uh, would love to, Let's stay connected uh, in in any way. So feel free to to reach out as well. And um, yeah, thank you.